I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound. 
Lord, plant my feet on high ground. This is my prayer for all of us as we begin and continue our journey through the new year 2014. My name is Al Brady, and I'm so delighted you've joined me tonight for this worship service. As always, it is my hope and prayer that you will be blessed by the Word and the music. So as you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word, it comes from Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already attained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but there's one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me please for a moment of prayer. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As I was thinking about this new year, I ran across something that dear Abby had written concerning New Year's resolutions. They were adapted by her mother from the original credo of Alanon. In brief, these are those resolutions. Would you hear them, please? Just for today, I will live through this day only. I know I can do something for 24 hours that would overwhelm me if I had to keep it up for a lifetime. Just for today, I will be happy. Just for today, I will accept what is. I will face reality. Just for today, I will improve my mind. I will not be a mental loafer. Just for today, I will make a conscious effort to be agreeable. I refrain from improving anybody else but myself. Just for today, I will do something positive to improve my health. Just for today, I will gather courage to do what is right and take responsibility for my own actions. While these suggestions are extremely helpful, today I'm not really interested in talking about resolutions. I'm much more interested in talking about priority because it's going to be priority that's going to make the big difference in our lives. It's going to be priority that's going to make us more mature and purposeful as we move through the future. And I think this is also what Paul was telling us as the theme of his particular letter and this scripture lesson. He's telling these Philippian Christians how they could live at their best, how they should live at their best, how God intended that they live in their best. In actuality, Paul is giving these Philippian Christians a prescription, a prescription for getting the most out of life. Listen to his familiar words and take comfort to your heart. He says, there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press on for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Now, let's break this prescription down for a better understanding. First of all, value your time. Value your time. Not long ago, a friend, a former parishioner, called me on the telephone, and he wanted me to come to see him. In the process of the conversation, I asked him how things were going. He said, they're going wonderfully well. All of us are alive, and I'm so grateful. He said, but you know, I'm getting concerned about the flight of time. 
with his comment on the flight of time, and he could always turn a, a phrase. With his comment, he reminded me again of how important our time is on this earth in terms of our lives. In a real sense, time is the essence of life. We set life in time frames. What do we say? Children, youth, adulthood, and you look wonderful. And then we look at our calendars or we look at our cell phones and we are reminded of our clocks. We are reminded of time and how important it is. Even the Bible is conscious of time. It's very conscious of time. Listen, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. For everything, there is a season, a time to be born and a time to die. Live life responsibly and make the most of your time. And then, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Now from the sixth hour, it was dark until the ninth hour. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the scepter. The Bible is very concerned about time, simply because the Bible knows that our time is in the process of being related to God, whether we're individuals or whether we are communities or whether we are nations. We are operating on time frames. So I repeat, time is a precious commodity. To fritter away time is to fritter away life. To waste time is to waste life. Thus we see two things especially that enhance the value of time. First of all, it's brevity, and secondly, it's uncertainty. Let's look at the brevity. We're told in the scripture that life is short, and at best, it's short. We know how in the morning we are like the grass in the field, but we also know in the evening how we are cut down. That's what the scripture says to us. A well-known minister was making a talk at a Christian college, and he was speaking on the value of time. He said, I have never realized the importance of every second of every day until I came up behind an accident on a road not long ago. And he said, as a matter of fact, I drove in the ambulance with one of the critical victims. And he said, as we would move along, just very periodically, this particular fellow would say, what time is it? You see, he was needing more time. What time is it? But for him, time was running out. And then I remember reading in a book about a fellow named Randy Posh who wrote to his children and tried to tell them what life meant to him. You see, he was a professor and he had terminal cancer and he didn't have long to live. And he wanted to explain his philosophy of life, how he loved life, how he had grown to love them. But he was afraid his children couldn't understand because they were six and three and 18 months. He particularly wanted them to know how hard it was for him to leave them in the world. But he knew they couldn't understand. But for him, time was running out. Beloved, for each of us, God deposits every day into our life, into our life account, 86,400 seconds, 1,400 minutes, and 24 shining hours. We have to keep in mind that we can't go back yesterday and add any of that to today. And we can't put credit tomorrow to build up for today. We have only today. We can live it well or we can waste it. It's simply up to us. We can live it well or we can waste it. Such is the brevity of life. Then there is the uncertainty of life. 
Life is uncertain, someone said, so eat the dessert first. Now, actually, this was built on the book that was written some years ago. It was about a woman who loved desserts, and she always ate her dessert first. But on this particular occasion, she decided to eat her dessert last. The problem was she wanted to eat it late, but the problem was she was aboard the Titanic. She was aboard the Titanic. Knowing the uncertainty of time, the Bible says whenever we are meeting the great significant issues of life, that we should act now. Now is the time of salvation. This is what Paul said, act now, act now. The greatest gift I ever received, said a young fellow, came one night, one Christmas night, when my father gave me a little box. The little box had in it a little note. And this note said, this was a note from the father to his son. The father said, I'm going to give you 365 hours this year. One hour after every night after supper. It'll be your hour. We'll do what you want to do. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. We'll go where you want to go. This is your gift. I'm giving you my time. That young man said, and he was a successful lawyer, he said that that was one of the finest gifts he ever received, that his father lived up to his promise. And the time became so valuable that they agreed to keep it up. He said, that was the greatest gift I ever received. It was time, the gift of time. Billy Graham said that we ought to use our time and we ought to use it wisely and we ought to consider these steps. Every single day is a gift from God. Every single day we ought to make time for God and others. And every single day we ought to take some time for ourselves. We ought to take some time for ourselves. As you go into the new year, value your time. Value your time. Secondly, walk away from yesterday. We never hear that enough. Walk away from yesterday. The governors were having a conference in one of our states. They were all there. And for one of the sessions, they had a distinguished speaker. When the distinguished speaker had finished his talk, someone in the congregation raised their eyes and their hand and said, Sir, can I ask you a question? Go right ahead, said the speaker. And the question was, what do you think is the greatest thing in the world? Well, that's a difficult question to have thrown to you right off if you haven't prepared. A very difficult question. So the speaker turned it back to the one who asked the question. He said, I don't really know at this moment, but he said, what about you? What do you think is the greatest thing in the world? And the governor who had asked the question had lived a very troubled political and personal life. And he said, I think the greatest thing in the world is to be able to walk away from yesterday. To walk away from yesterday. Evidently, the Apostle Paul knew that one of the great secrets of effective living and serving is to have the capacity to forget. He knew that there are many things in the yesterdays of all of us that unless we can get rid of them, they'll slow us down and hurt us in the coming year. You remember in T.S. Eliot's the cocktail party, there was an unidentified guest that said to Edward these words, don't strangle each other with knotted memories. And that's what we can do in our homes, in our marriages, in our businesses. We can do that everywhere if we're not careful. A well-known minister said that he and his wife were celebrating their wedding anniversary, so they went to a favorite restaurant. And he said they sat there and they started talking about the 12 greatest things that it happened to them in their married life together. 
And he said, it was hardly possible to hold it to 12 things. They laughed and they cried and they kept adding other things and he got later and later. Then that minister said, I shudder to think what would have happened. I shudder to think what would have happened if we had been talking about the most terrible 12 things that had happened to us in our marriage. Well, you see, he said, these things did not threaten the good things we had walked away from yesterday. Right here, we see the profound significance again of the gospel of forgiveness and the new beginning made possible for all of us through Jesus Christ. Think about Paul himself. Paul lived a bad life. Paul could have been encompassed and enslaved by his bad life, by his sin. He had persecuted the church. He had even given his approval for murder. He had done all those things, but Paul refused to be enslaved by his bad life. You see, he walked away from yesterday. The story of people walking away from yesterday is numerous. It is numerous. The Apostle Paul walked away from yesterday. The Apostle Peter walked away from yesterday. Nelson Mandela walked away from yesterday. The woman caught in adultery walked away from yesterday. The prodigal son walked away from yesterday. And so many of us have walked away from yesterday. Near New York City, there is a, a grave, and on the grave is a stone. It has one word. You know what the word says? Forgiven. No name, no date, no, nobody's description. All of us can find meaning in that. You know, when I think about our past, I think we face two, two very dangerous temptations. One is exaggerated veneration. We talk about how good the past was, the good old days. Actually, those good old days were not nearly as good when we went through them as they are now as we talk about them. And then exaggerated regret. How often we say, oh, this is just terrible. I'll never get over this. How could I do this? This is horrible. Now, I don't want to minimize the seriousness of our sin. There are some things we've done in the past that we ought to be ashamed of. But sooner or later, sooner or later, we're going to have to come to grips with the grace of God in our lives. That grace of God, that grace of peace that comes to us and then we can live our lives freely. Walk away from yesterday. Thank God we can do it. We can walk away from yesterday, forgetting those things which are behind, said Paul. And then thirdly, live life well. Live life well. Paul said, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Now the picture here is not simply of a casual stroll through life. It's an energetic adventure moving through life. Now when Jesus looked at nature, he saw the birds and the lilies. He saw not many anxieties or fears on their part, but when he looked at humankind, he saw nothing but fears and anxieties and being harassed. It was a terrible thing. And part of that, Jesus came to figure out, was that these human beings were afraid of the future. And so he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Let today's own troubles be sufficient for the day. So how can we deal with the fear of tomorrow? First of all, God wants us to move through there carefully and thinking about it, but not to worry about it. So how can we move through this fear of tomorrow? Live well today. Pat Boone appeared on the Tonight Show when Johnny Carson was the host. Johnny Carson knew that Pat Boone and his family were known as great people of character. They had become known as 
people of character across the United States. And Pat Boone was looking suntan and relaxed and great. Johnny Carson asked him, he said, what is the secret of the way you keep on looking so good? Pat Boone said, there are several things. First of all, he said, I sleep extremely well. Johnny Carson said, I do too. Then he said, Pat Boone did, I take regular exercise. Johnny Carson said, I do too. Pat Boone said, I eat well, even though I watch my diet. Johnny Carson said, I do too. Pat Boone then said, you know, I have a clear conscience. Johnny Carson threw his pencil across the room. He said, you got me there. One of the hedges against the obstacles of tomorrow is living well today. The second hedge against the obstacle of tomorrow is trusting in the grace of a loving God who cares for all of us and all of his creation as well. There's a school in England where they have devotions every single day. The professors have them on Monday. The students have them the rest of the week. One Monday, this Old Testament professor by the name of Adam Welch began his prayer with these words, O oh Lord, we do not come into thy presence. Many people were shocked. They thought evidently he was disturbed because all the students would say, O oh God, we come into thy presence. But he said, O oh God, we do not come into thy presence. And then with a lengthy pause, he said, for we are never anywhere else. So if you want to hedge against the obstacles of tomorrow, live well today, trust in the God of all grace and creation who loves all of us. And then fourthly, make God a priority. Now, if we want to live successfully in the year 2014, we've got to have priorities. What is our first priority? Jesus made it clear. You remember what he said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Seek first the kingdom. The apostle Paul came along and seconded that motion. He said, this one thing I do, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when Paul was grasped by Christ on that Damascus road, he felt like that Christ had grasped him for a purpose and for a reason for being. And so he thought that he needed to find that, and he knew it had something to do with pressing forward, keeping straining ahead, working toward the future. He knew that. And so that's what he did. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. Every single one of us is a dream of God. Every single one of us has been grasped by God for a purpose. And the only way we can discover and live up to that purpose is to keep on striving ahead, straining forward, keep moving ahead as we seek to discover the Lord Jesus Christ again and again and again. I remember Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Bill Life, he said that God has created us for five reasons. First of all, he said, for God's pleasure. Secondly, for God's family. Third, to become like Christ. Fourth, he said, to serve God. And finally, to serve humankind. Now, if you want, if you're willing to follow the great goal of life, if you're willing to prioritize God, then I have several suggestions for you. These are 10 directives for a better new year, for bringing the best you have to the highest you know. Number one, look for God's grace in your life. Number two, do purposeful acts of kindness. Number three, keep optimistic anyway. Number four, put your failures behind you. Number five, just rise above it. 
just rise above it. Six, make gratitude your choice. Make gratitude your choice. Seven, be a team player. Eight, cultivate a sense of humor. Nine, keep your eye on the destination. And ten, grasp the possibilities. Do you hear it? Paul is saying this one thing I do. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to live the life you need to live and you want to live, you've got to live it well and you've got to place your trust in God and make God a priority. Now I want to close with the words of Yogi Berra, this former great baseball player. He said, you better know where you want to go, otherwise you might not get there. Let me say it again. You better know where you want to go. Otherwise, you might not get there. Let us pray. Lord, we're so thankful for this new year. We're grateful we can enter it with a new slate, that all the old past is gone and behind us, and we can simply ask your forgiveness and you'll forgive us, and we can move forward with a clean slate and a clean future. Oh, God, help this year to be the best year in all of our lives because we lifted you up and we loved our neighbor as ourselves. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I hope you have a joyful, happy new year. I hope you'll join us every Thursday night for Howard Brady Ministries. And you can also look into our website, www.howardbradyministries.com. God bless you. Happy New Year. strong.